Welcome, everyone, to the first ever edition of The Insiders as a video podcast. I'm Tim Fitzgerald of GoPowerCat.com, and we are excited to have our first ever live event as this is live. And we, of course, will run this again on our YouTube page. It'll be available. GoPowerCat will be available. And it'll be available on all your podcast platforms uh, across the network, so um, all your networks that you might want to have. We're going to do today's talk mostly about K-State's football game, a 45-0 victory over SEMO. Uh, but we'll have some other topics thrown in. i got some fun stuff planned for the fellas. And we're still looking for a sponsor. I didn't pick the scat cat scratch in the corner because uh, I, I wanted it there. Uh, we need a sponsor. So if you want to uh, be the sponsor of this podcast, go ahead and just uh, reach out to me. Right there is my email, fits at GoPowerCat. Make sure um, you put a nice little headline on there so I know what you're talking about. Well, let's let's start to bring in the cast, as I think I blew my mic out there. Bring in the cast and, and see what uh, they've got to say. This guy has been with me on post-game shows, pre-game shows, and many other shows for a very long time. He's the former Kansas State offensive lineman and the guy that started playing basketball at Xavier in college. He was a basketball player, Mr. Brian Hanley. Brian, thank you for joining us. No problem. Thank you for having me. Next up in the starting lineup is Mr. Tim Everson, the sports editor of the Manhattan Mercury, the only man I know that Bill Snyder has stopped a press conference to say, oh, my gosh, your voice. (laughs) Hello, hello, hello. Was that during your freshman year? Yeah, it was my very first press conference. So that was terrifying at all no, that was awesome it was awesome and one more, god he, the guy with the fan that is going to run in the background of our show um, <laughs> my gosh uh glenn kenley the guy that drives us to uh the buffet that's right <laughs> how you doing skinny guy I'm doing well. Thanks for having me on. I'm excited to, to talk cats with you guys. Well, let's get going now. We're two minutes in and haven't said a damn thing. Okay, <laughs> let's just start with, Brian, your overall thoughts on that victory by Kansas State over Southeast Missouri from now on reference to SEMO. I mean, I thought it was uh, a typical first game against a, an opponent that we are much, much better than. Uh, K-State came out and dominated from the beginning. I know there was the – the interception, uh, that was more of a fluke uh, play that happened. But K-State came out, did exactly what they wanted to do when they wanted to do it on both sides of the football. Seymour uh, can throw the, the the football a little bit, uh, and they did. But for the most part, again, it was just a dominating performance. A lot of guys got in, uh, which is what you wanted to see. I just thought Kansas State came out, did the things that they wanted to do on both sides of the ball. Mr. Kinley, did this go as planned for Chris Kleiman and company? Any hiccups along the way? No, I, I think it was good. It's what you expect, but but it doesn't always go how you expect it to go. We saw that with a couple other Big 12 teams, right, that, that got upset. And so you expected K-State to handle SEMO without much issues, but that's not always how it works. Uh, and K-State even lost a, a non-con game a couple, a couple years ago to, mm-hmm. I think it was Arkansas State. Yep. So. Uh, you got to take care of business in these ones, even though it is expected. But uh, so I think I was impressed by the defense. I knew they were going to be good, but they, if possible, they were better than expected. Mr. Everson, your thoughts as Kansas State comes out of that game, and they came out healthy, didn't they? Yeah, completely healthy. Um, the only, only two people that we really didn't get to see were, were, were Keegan Johnson and Marquis Siegel, and we should be seeing them relatively soon. 
but I mean, really, all things, all, all things being equal, they probably couldn't have come out of that better. And I don't know if I've felt more confident after like an FCS win. I mean, it was just so dominant on both sides of the ball. Uh, a team that uh, I certainly pumped up, being number eleven in the country at that level, to dominate them like that was impressive to me. Uh, let's stick with you, Tim. Any alarm bells? Anything that you're concerned about coming out of that game? Um, it's tough. I, you know, until I see, I don't even think the media has even gotten to meet Marquis Siegel yet. Mm-hmm. Um, until I get to see him, uh, Kleiman and, 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 and company has had an unfortunate kind of history of having some transfers that we get excited about and that make their way onto the depth chart. And then we never get to see on the field. I don't think that'll be the case with Marquis Siegel. Um, just because they, you know, they continue to say great things about him, but that's really the only thing that I'm like. Eh. Uh, yeah, I agree. But aside from that, I mean, that's it, it. Seems like all systems go. Yeah, Marquis Siegel was uh, suspended for the game, according to Chris Kleiman. Uh, Keegan Johnson was simply injured, nicked up, as coaches like to say. I've never actually been nicked up. Uh, It must be painful if you can't play. A guy that's been nicked up a few times, Brian Hanley, I want you to give me your assessment of the offensive line because it returns so much talent. It's so skilled, but yet they had some issues at right tackle because of the injury to Christian Duffy. Um, And they kind of shuffled guys around out there. Carver Willis had his moments. You mentioned the interception. That was kind of hanging on him for not protecting his quarterback. But give me your overall uh, thoughts on this offensive line. I mean, overall, I think we we know that the offensive line is going to be very good as long as everybody's healthy. But they also have backups, and it was good that they they kind of shuffled some guys around in the game because it's like we always say. I mean, you're only as good as the next guy that plays behind you. That that's how college football. That's how football works in general. And K State was able to get some guys some playing time in other positions and move guys around because look. On the offensive line, it's about getting your best five out there regardless. Now, obviously, you have your starters in their position, but if one guy goes down and you got to put another guy in and maybe he's better at left guard, well, maybe you got to move your All-American out to right tackle or or somewhere else. So it's good that K-State was able to do that. I think the overall line, like I said, there was a couple hiccups. Um, We'll have to address – I mean, if Duffy can't come back, which I think he will – but if he can't, we're going to have to clean that up or maybe even just help him more over on the right side. But at the at the same time, I, I just think the line played well. And Glenn Kenley, they just kind of plug guys in, don't they? I mean, they lost some serious, serious ball players from last year's team, and yet they seem to show solutions right out of the gate. Yeah, I I think uh, that was my biggest takeaway from that first drive, just the number of guys that touched the football. I mean, you got – Two running, two or three running backs that are touching the football. It seems like you got four or five wide receivers and then maybe a tight end or two. And, and I think they can spread the love. Uh, you loved having a guy like Deuce Vaughn back there that you wanted to give the ball to, you know, seven out of ten snaps. Uh, but I think it's going to be a challenge for defenses this year because you don't know you don't know where the ball's going. I mean, yeah. they, I think they lined up Trayshawn Ward in the slot a few times. Uh, you don't know if, if they're running it, and if they're running it, who are they running it with? They ran the jet sweep a handful of times. They like to do that last year, and I think they'll probably do it more once they get Keegan Johnson back. Um, but I think that they, every coach says they're going to be dynamic, right? We hear that preseason from, from everybody. Oh, we're, we got so many playmakers. We're going to have to find ways, ways to get everybody the ball. 
and then they went out and do it, and you're like, oh, maybe that wasn't coach speak. Maybe they, they have a lot of good players. Uh, so I think we might see – I'd be interested to see how many uh, maybe receivers, and when I say receivers, I mean Ben Sennett as well, and I do mean the running backs out of the backfield. How many guys have 100-plus receiving yards for K-State in a game this season? I think it could be five or six guys because it might be R.J. Garcia one week, Keegan Johnson the next week, Phillip Brooks the next week, Ben Sennett the next week. You have so many playmakers, and that's going to make them uh, tough to shut down because it's not just – Stop Deuce Vaughn. Well, let's start some highlights here. My apologies to all of you listening on podcasts. This is video running behind us right now, so you're not going to be able to see it naturally. But let's take a look at some of Will Howard's work on Saturday. Will Howard was pretty efficient in this game. He wasn't perfect, as we mentioned. He had the interception. But overall, his stats looked pretty good at the end of the game. What, 18 of 26? Uh, with one interception, 297, two TDs through the air, a long of 44. Brian Hanley, give me your evaluation of Will in game one. Played great. I think what a lot of K-State fans and just fans around the country wanted to see the completion percentage go up. I think that was kind of one of the knocks that people had on him from last year. Although he played well uh, and won a lot of football games, did a lot of things well, I think the one thing that people pointed to a little bit was – you know, the completion percentage. Well, I mean, it was extremely high on Saturday. The competition obviously will get tougher, but he did the things that you wanted to see him do. He spread the ball around, got the ball out of his hands quickly. Even on the the interception, I mean, the guy's right at his knee slash gut. You know, I mean, it's I don't care who you are. It's tough to make a, a, a pass like that. So I just thought he played well for the first game. I thought he played extremely well. Mr. Everson, your thoughts. Yeah, I mean, efficient, uh, bounced back. Had a had a, uh, a his first play from scrimmage went for negative yards, but uh, after that was six for six on that drive. Got the touchdown to Jaden Jackson. Uh, you know, he was in command, and for you know, really, what he played two and a half quarters. Mm-hmm. You know, maybe two and two third quarters. Uh, Probably could have had a 350, 400-yard day if he had to play the full game. I mean, he's uh, picking up where he left off, which I think is is good news for, for K-State fans. News guy, member 27 News. I, look, I don't know if we could ask much more from him. He could have done better, but this was pretty darn good. Yeah, I think when you look at Will Howard, he has a lot of strengths, and, and in my opinion, one of them might be not a physical strength, but his mind and his brain. And, and you expect him to pick apart that defense, and, and he did. Um, and he, he found, like I said, he, he spread the ball to different guys. It wasn't like he just had one really good receiver that made his numbers look really good. Uh, so that was that was big. And then, yeah, uh, like you mentioned, he handled some adversity, which is Chris Kleiman always talks about how, how are we going to respond from adversity. Um, and you throw that pick and you get lit up as you throw the pick. Uh, it never missed a beat on the next drive. Um, and then uh, maybe one of the coolest moments, I know we'll get to more of this, but he was pretty fired up for Avery Johnson, too. And I think that says a lot about Will Howard, that uh, he seemed to be as happy when Avery was making plays as he was when he was making plays. Well, let's move on to the freshmen. One of the highlights, though, <clears throat> is the fact that they played 11-12 true freshmen in yeah. this game. Brian, you've been around K-State football a long time, which means you're old. Um, of course, you played 97-98. Coach Snyder didn't do that. Um, and, and, of course, the rules have changed now where you can have the four games for a red shirt. One game, one snap used to mean you burned a season of eligibility, which in hindsight was pretty damn dumb by the NCAA, but they've done that in the past with many things. Um, 
th- this was remarkable to see that many true freshmen on the field, not just because they played, but because they played well. They, were, they didn't flounder around. They didn't look out of place. No. We'll get to Avery Johnson in a second, but my goodness, the promise of this class is immense, isn't it? Yeah, I mean, first off, the talent, you can see it. You can see it ooze out on the football field. But to me, what's even more impressive is they didn't look out of place. They were where they were supposed to be, which is a sign that these guys are being coached very, very well. I mean, I know everybody always says that, you know, that's kind of the cliche. But you just went out and looked. Like you said, a lot of these first-year football players are exactly where they needed to be, doing exactly what they were supposed to be doing. That's a sign of good coaching, man. It's just a sign of good coaching. They really, they really did look good. Um, Tim Everson, receivers, linebackers, safeties, um, even guys, <clears throat> excuse me, even guys that we didn't expect to see um, one camp open, like John Fabris's son. Uh, I, I, I'm just blown away about every level here. These guys came in and contributed and showed that, hey, coach, you're probably not going to be able to redshirt many of us because we might be your second line, and that's absolutely incredible. Yeah, Jeff Fabris. It's 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 funny because I, you know, Asa Newsom was was pretty highly heralded heralded coming out of high school. Obviously, Avery was a guy like Trace Spivey, a lot of a lot of Division One guys, but no one wanted Jack Fabris. Yeah, no one. Ex- I mean, I, I was just like, well, I mean, that's nice. I mean, who, you know, who knows? At first, when I whenever he committed, I thought that maybe he was a preferred walk on. Um, but yeah, no, he's gonna be, you know. A factor. He's going to be. Yes. You know, he's he's still listed as the you know backup safety right now. I mean, it is incredible. And Joe Klanderman said it that that this group of true freshmen is uh, the the most impressive that he's ever had, and you can see it, and it, and it's proving itself on the field already after after just a game. There was a highlight from Jack Fabris of coming downhill from a safety spot. He wasn't close to the line of scrimmage, but he tackled the guy in the back of you know, the line of scrimmage in the backfield. He just came like a rocket. He reminded me of the Marcus Watts and some of those old-style, really physical um, safeties that Kansas State's had. Uh, it was it was impressive. It really was. Glenn, did this set up this program uh, with the appearance of, hey, this isn't only a good team this year, but watch out. K-State's on the scene. Yeah, well, I think so. And, and the thing I wanted to point out, too, is some of these guys we're talking about not all of them were early enrollees. So a lot of these guys, you know, they're true freshmen, but they got to campus maybe last January. And I'm not taking anything away from those guys. Still, This is still their first snaps of college football, but they have been in the program maybe for for eight or nine months now. Some of these guys got to campus in June, right? Some of these guys graduated high school in May, got to campus in June, and now now they're going to play valuable snaps in Big 12 football this fall. That's impressive. And then, Brian, when you're talking about good coaching, the thing I can't keep out of my mind is just – you're talking about good coaching, but you're talking about good coaching from guys like Daniel Green and Austin yeah. Moore and Kobe Savage and guys like that. That um, we the defensive tackles coach said that he told his guys last year that Eli Huggins was the best coach in the room, and I think you're seeing K State develop yeah. uh, the right leaders, and that way the coaches that they're coaching them, but they know that the players are coaching them as well. And I know that for Asa Newsom, I think Austin Moore and Daniel Green were were big parts of of his recruitment and even why he wanted to come to K-State because he knew he was going to learn from from two of the best in the Big 12. 
Yeah, it was impressive. It really was. Some of the linemen didn't get in as we thought maybe. There was there were some guys that were injured, but a lot more guys in this freshman class are capable of playing and might be contributors here in the very new future, near future for this program. But before we go to the first break, let's just get into um, the highlight for a lot of fans. The biggest roar of the day that wasn't associated with touchdown was the backup quarterback, Brian Hanley. They just love the backup quarterback, even when your first guy is really good, which K-State has a great quarterback. And yet Avery Johnson came on the field. Uh, I don't think there's been a football recruit at Kansas State more highly anticipated than Avery. And he didn't disappoint, did he? No, he didn't. He he did not disappoint. Um, I mean, the guy – I'm not going to to overstate, oh, he's incredible, he's just – I just know that when he came on the football field, he was electric. You know, K-State is in good hands. That's all I'm going to say. K-State is in good hands. Well, let's look at a couple of highlights here. The first one being a throw to fellow freshman Trey Spivey, who made a nice adjustment on the ball. And then Avery showing off what he can do as a running quarterback is he should have been tackled, but he wasn't. (laughs) Two highlights. I'm I'm sorry, guys. I – a freshman quarterback, a true freshman coming out of the field like that and just picking it up and going. Uh, Tim Everson, <clears throat> I, well, give me words. Speak. <laughs> um, I mean, it, it was incredible. There was uh, the reaction in the press box. Uh, generally, a press box is supposed to be a working space. People are supposed to kind of keep their composure. <laughs> no, no cheering. No gasping. No, nothing like that. But, uh, there, you know, a lot of people... Uh, we're just kind of amazed, and I'm sure that the you know the hype surrounding Avery uh, contributed to that quite a bit. But um, it, in the very short little amount of time that, that we got to see him, it 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 looked real. I don't know. I mean, yeah. put put him with the with the ones. Who knows what he could do? Glenn, too good, too early. A lot of he upheld his hype, but now has he got a room to fall here if he makes some mistakes? Oh, Glenn just froze up on us. Uh, I, oh, there you go. Sorry, I didn't mean to interrupt you there. I think my computer froze up. Yep. But you know, it's uh, he, he made a few of those plays where you look at the person next to you and you just nobody you don't say anything. You, you just but there's words being said without without actually no. speaking. Um, that, especially that one where he stepped out of bounds, but would have got in and kind of spun off the defender. Um, I guess the question that I have, and I'm interested to hear the thoughts from y'all, is just. It, does K-State need to find a way to get him involved in the offense this year? I think yep. everyone's saying, oh, the quarterback room is in great hands in the future. And I'm not by any means saying that Will Howard is not the starting quarterback. <laughs> don't, don't take that the wrong way. But do they get him out there for, for 10 snaps a game or, or find a way to do something with Avery Johnson? Because I, I know it was an FCS opponent. I know it was F- FCS backups in the second half probably. But, dang, he looked really good. Brian, your thoughts on that. Uh, can they afford to redshirt him, or do they need to keep him around, not just as a backup quarterback, and let's, let's keep in mind, they still have Jake Rubley on the team who didn't play, but I th- think it was just a function of needing to see Avery uh, out there. Um, do you try to just play him four games and redshirt him, or you just find a role for him and say, screw it, we're going to use you, and we'll worry about a redshirt later if it pops up, just like Will Howard has gone through. I mean, Will Howard has been trying to redshirt, never got it right. done. <clears throat> Does <laughs> Does the young freshman from Mays fall into that category now? I don't think so. Um, here's the reason I believe is because 
if he's as good as what we think and what a lot of people, not just us, a lot of people think he's not going to be here four years anyway. Right. So I'm from a, a school of thought where I'm an old Louisville fan. Howard Snellenberger used to play his backup quarterback. If they were young, he got them in a series every single game, even if they were a true freshman. He believed if you're the next guy, you got to get out there. So I'm under that. Even if it's just one series, you got to get them out there. You got, you just got to get them some real playing time. And like I said, worry about the red shirt later because if he's as good as what we all believe that he can be, he's not staying at Kansas State for four years. So get him on the field. You don't want to take a, a you know and get people out of rhythm because that can happen. But one series a game, I, I think it warrants it. Okay, Everson, he wants one series a game. Get him into the groove. What do you think about using him as a second quarterback on the field? The Wildcat and Howard splits out, or he splits out um, because he is supposedly the third fastest guy on the team, which is absolutely remarkable in itself. But to carve out a specific role for him in the offense. I, I think it, it's it's hard not to, just because of how special he is athletically. Um, you can't. I don't think you can keep it bottled up for a year. I just think that it's and, and with as volatile as the quarterback position has been, injury wise, uh, Colin Klein said it himself. That is just like you know we're not we're not making plans with that anymore because we've been burned too many times. And yep. I, you know, you, you got to get him out there. I think. And and it was interesting earlier in the week, Glenn. Uh, Chris Kleiman said his whole attitude about redshirting has changed, and I think that's a function of. Uh, younger athletes coming in more physically prepared it honestly as an, an old fart i i think the whole generation below this is wildly um you know mature for how they approach things they have a better global understanding i mean when i was a kid uh, you just kind of lived in your own realm now you can see how to conduct yourself and and do things if you want to be an athlete at the top of your game and a lot of these guys have come in physically and mentally ready I'm, I'm not sure you can promise a red shirt to anyone like Chris Kleiman said. You just got to go into the season and see what happens. Yeah, it's a it's a good problem to have, right? Good guys that make it difficult and guys that you say, I don't know if I can keep this guy off the field for 12 whole games. Uh, and I think that that's a testament to their recruiting and probably the way that they develop guys in a, in a hurry, too. Um, and then on top of that, I think I would say um, it, it comes down to, you know, Brian, you mentioned the coaching and that they can get those guys ready Uh that quickly and um i think typically in a recruiting class you, you might have i don't know the numbers for sure maybe half the guys you're like this guy's gonna redshirt for sure and then the other half you say maybe a few of these guys yeah. in this other half could play significant snaps for us and with k-state i think they're all in that second half <laughs> yeah i it's it's yeah. impressive it'll be fun to watch well we got a lot more to go on the insiders we're kind of at the halfway mark i'm gonna park a quick break right here for you watching live or on video there may not be anything here, but for all of you on audio, enjoy these ads. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America NA, member FDIC. 
We return to the insiders. That was a quick break. If you're watching on, on YouTube, we caught Glenn taking a drink of whatever he's in that I thought, flask. I thought we were actually going to get a break. No, no, no. It, the, the beauty of YouTube is there's one second of black on the end of that transition, and it'll park a ad right in there because there's one second of black. It's uh, amazing. And, of course, I'll put the ads in for the megaphone, our our audio version. Uh, guys, there were, there were some fun things in this game. Uh and one of the most enjoyable was four sacks by this Kansas State defense. I thought the defense was really good, Brian. I thought the defense uh, asserted itself. Heck, I mean, Simo had a good running game coming in and had six yards total on, what, 28 carries or something. Yeah. And they were in negative yardage until the final possession uh, against the, the backups. But here's just a couple plays, a couple sacks by this defense as they really got after it. And, you know, with Felix Andy DK Uzama's gone a lot of the national talking points have been they can't possibly have the same pass rush but some young guys stepped up and Cleve duke looks perfectly home at defensive end brian i'll get your thoughts right after this brian hanley Cleve duke scared me uh he came so fast on that uh, he, once he beat that tackle he was there and that's yeah. exactly what he brings to the table yeah um i, it, I mean we the thing that everybody was pointing to is kind of what you mentioned Fitz is we had to find some more playmakers that were going to be able to get into the backfield cause havoc uh with King Felix gone I think we found that uh Khalid Duke was just I know we mentioned it before or on a previous podcast he was out of position last year he's just playing out of position and now he is back to playing defensive end this is his position go attack and that's what he does best um we just found some other guys, you know, um, Mott and Matlock, they are good football players that are going to be able to attack from the outside as well. I think getting the most pass rushers on the field, especially in passing situations, is the key. I just think K-State has – they've always done a good job. I mean, you could go back forever. They have done a good job of just finding guys that can rush the passer, maybe sometimes in places that you don't think that these guys are going to be good, and they turn out to be good. This is no different this year. I think K-State's got something here. Glenn, uh, you lose Felix, uh, you know, All-American, All-Big 12, first-round pick of the Chiefs, and you move Clay Duke up, who has that kind of domination ability. I, I always remind people, go back two years. When Clay Duke suffered his first injury, it was Felix that came in to substitute for him uh, as the young guy. He was supposed to be the star uh, and went through that injury and then, See, you know, really, last year was recovery. He wasn't at 100% playing out of position. Brendan Mott is the top returning sack leader in the in the conference, which is something that catches people off guard. Nate Matlack played injured all year. Am I insane for saying they might be better at defensive end because of more balance? Well, I'm going to sound like I'm repeating myself here because I said this. I think I said the same exact thing with the offense. I talked about how they had Deuce, and this year they're they're so dynamic, and they have so many guys who can catch passes and run the ball. I think it's the same thing on the defense. Last year it was Felix at Felix Felix. Now you have Brendan Mott. You have Nate Matlack. You have Daniel Green. You have Khalid Duke. So many guys that are going to cause issues there. And in some ways, maybe maybe that is more difficult to stop um, from an offensive perspective. I'm not an O-line coach. I don't want to say for sure. But to me, you're going to double team or triple team Felix every single time, no matter what. Yep, I With agree. With defense now, who do you double team and triple team? It, you're going to need about 16 guys on the field to, to double team all the guys that you want to. 
Um, and, and I don't think that's allowed yet. Um, but, uh, yeah, I think they're, they're really dynamic. And I think Nate, uh, Nate, and I didn't even mention Austin Moore. I mean, there's guys that I'm leaving out who are really good football players. Yeah. Daniel Green didn't have any tackles, but he was disruptive. He was running around. Uh, and you can tell that the offense knows where he's at when he lines up. But Tim Everson, as two of the big guys on this podcast, we probably should celebrate Uso, who is our front page image for this edition, uh, because it was a big debut. And Uso now uh, is the nose tackle. He's been injured, so he was very limited in this game. They want to save him for you know Troy and make sure he's healthy as they head into the season. He has, believe it or not, from that photo, he's slimmed down. Um, but he's an incredible athlete, and uh, I think he might be as impactful of a nose tackle slash defensive end as Kansas State's had it in a very long time. It was uh, it was a real men among boys feeling yeah. whenever he walked out there. Um, I don't know. I mean, I've never played offensive line. I've never. I don't know how you would deal with that. I don't know how you would. <laughs> it's just he's so strong. Uh, I think I saw he, you know, his sack. He like ripped a guy down by just like one. It was incredible. I mean, yeah. I am so excited to see him get fully turned loose, um, and and have more than I don't know. Maybe he had he was out there for like two or three series total between Damian and Javon Banks getting out there. But what what you saw, it makes sense. How excited coaches have been since the early early parts of the spring of, as far as how, how, how much he's improved. And uh, they, I mean, it's really incredible the the home run that they hit uh, with, with himself. Yeah. Um, Brian, he brought up offensive line. How do you handle him? You've got to double him almost every time, don't you? Absolutely. Brian, could you, Brian, could you block him if you were tasked with it? Well, you know, I don't want to brag or anything <laughs> like that. I, I don't want to do that, you know, but Here's the thing. It's usually you try to get leverage. Well, he's going to have more leverage than you. I mean, the guy is just super strong. He is the prototypical nose tackle yep. uh, in a 3-4 defense. I mean, stout, can't be moved by one guy. He's just not going to be moved. He's going to press you out, you know, at the snap. He's going to be able to play either side of the center. So you have to double team him. And even with the double team, you're still not moving him. That's the difference. A lot of times, you know, they double-team guys, and that guy gets moved or he gets his shoulders turned. He's not getting moved. You know, you're not turning his shoulders. So if you're not going to be able to do that, you're literally occupying two blockers, and that just frees up linebackers. Well, you know what our linebackers are going to do. So it's just to have him out there and to get him fully healthy and to be able to stuff the run, pass, whatever he wants to do is – only going to help K-State defense, man. I, I'm really excited. Fitch, it's kind of an understatement. I think him being out there, being that impactful, I really think people should take credence in what you said because I think his impact is on, not the key to the defense season, but it's very, it's it's up there. It is up there. It really is. People need to pay attention to that. And, Brian, he's a really likable guy, too. I think that makes it all the more fun, right? Uso's a lot of fun. Well, and that's the thing, you know, because from what I've understood, he's out there just cracking jokes at the line of scrimmage, talking to people and stuff like that, or he makes a good play. Hey, man, good block. That's the worst. As an offensive line, you don't want somebody 
to literally push in the backfield and then say, hey, man, better luck next time. I mean, come on. I mean, talk about my mother or something. Do something to make me mad. Don't do that. That's horrible. No doubt. No doubt. Uh, running game. I didn't have any highlights provided by Kansas State, but, boy, the running game looked pretty good. Ends up with 228 yards. DJ Giddens was the leading rusher, 15 carries, 128 net. Treshawn Ward, Florida State transfer, 11 for 56. Tim, you've covered DJ Giddens at uh, the high school level and now the college level, I believe. Um, I'm not sure. Uh, I might have spoken out of turn there, but he's pretty damn good, and he looked really good. He kind of set into a rhythm on Saturday once he got a few carries under his belt. He he had left just before I got to Junction City, but but he he he's special and you can tell he's getting more confident and you can see it on the field. You can see it a little bit in the interview room. Now he's still quiet, still a quiet guy, but he, you know, he's taking questions. Um, and I think he's only starting to kind of chip away at, at the potential that he has. Cause he can be a real monster. And he, when you talk to him about like how much he loves and enjoys the physical aspects of running the ball, how much he loves running through people. That's what he gets excited about is, is that part of it. And that's, that's super fun to watch. Yeah, indeed. Uh, Glenn, Treshawn Ward comes in. Uh, you could see immediately the kind of explosion. I think he had the first carry of the game. Uh, he scored two touchdowns, only got credit for one um, because of, I, I don't know. I mean, he was obviously in on the first one, but K-State hurried up and, and, and didn't let them have a replay, try to catch him off guard. But Treshawn Ward was as impactful as we thought he would be, but I suspect they didn't show much of what Treshawn Ward's going to do in this offense. Yeah, they're going to use a lot. I, I think he, he is more of your deuce type. I hate to even compare him to that because yeah. such big shoes to fill, but he's more of your, in the sense that DJ's going to run guys over. Nobody's going to touch Treshawn. You don't have to run him over. He's They're not going to be able to get their hands on him because he's going to, he's going to shake them. And so – um, yeah, he was fun to watch. I just a few clips, even the ones that were maybe a four or five yard gain that weren't that special, you still see it and you're mm-hmm. like, I want more of that. Like that was that was great. So I think he's gonna have some plays where he breaks some ankles. And you know, uh we've talked we talked about it earlier, but I think I've been a Chicago Bears fan long enough to know what a, a oh. good or bad old line can do. <laughs> and so I think that a good old line with K-State is gonna make everyone look good. I think that yeah. you know, I think I could get out there and I could run for I think I could average two or three yards a carry with that O-line because nobody's going to touch me for a couple yards. Mm. Well, we better shut this show down for good now. <laughs> Brian, <laughs> Brian uh, Treshawn has that electric vibe to him, uh, but it was D.J. Giddens throwing the spin moves out there. He had two of, two of them. One he, one he almost fell down on, but that's okay. I, I'm, I'm fine with that. The other one was really nice. Uh, I think I'm, I'm kind of climbing out a limb here. Folks, I think the running game is going to be just fine without Deuce Vaughn. I've been saying that to people since March. Don't worry about the running game. Deuce was outstanding. I'm not saying any of these guys are as good as him. But collectively, that doesn't mean they can't be close to as good as him. I'm just telling people, first of all, Giddens is a raw running back. He Mm. He was a raw running back. Just straight ahead, ran upright, didn't really know how to be in the position or run or play the position last year and was very effective. You can see the difference this year in his running style. He has learned how to be a running back, and he's only going to get better. This is just the first game. He's only going to get better. And look, Treshawn Ward, we saw last night, Florida State's got some pretty good running backs. Treshawn Ward was the starter before he got hurt. 
So that that's all I'm going to tell. I've been telling people that from the very beginning. I'm like, this guy is a good football player. So the running game for K-State, look, I'm an offensive lineman. You, I don't care how good you are, unless you're Walter Payton. Uh, sorry about that, Glenn. Uh, but unless you're Walter Payton, you're not running that good behind an off a bad offensive line. So obviously the offensive line helps, but K-State has some talented, talented yep. running backs. Yep. And, you know, Anthony Frears came in, did some nice blocking, had a run. Uh, they have said he's much improved and might be able to offer them some depth and certainly – kind of fills a fullback role if they really need one because he's a, a strong, stout kid. Um, I think the running game's going to be just fine. Well, let's get into kind of the the hurry-up offense here as we, we wrap it up. I've got about five topics, and it starts with this. That was a rushing touchdown. I'm sorry. I'm sorry to burst anyone's bubble, but if you go back and look at that, uh, it did travel backwards. It appears. I need to see it down the line, but it looks like Treshawn throws the ball from a yard line and Will catches it uh, behind whatever the 10-yard line, whatever it was. Um, but still, Brian Hanley, being a disciple of Bill Snyder, Colin Klein called a trick play on the first game of the season against SEMO. Is he going to get a handwritten letter from Coach? I mean, I was there for two years, and I think twice we called a trick play, and neither of them worked, which I think that's probably why. Twice. And so he might get a handwritten letter because I, I, I mean, first of all, it was refreshing to see, yep. you know, they're empty in the bag. I like that. I, in the first game, get it all out there and make people worry, make people prepare. Yep. I get it. Um, but I think it was fun. And, and for, for me as a, as a former player, the kids love it. They love all of that stuff, running trick plays, all that kind of stuff. They love that. So can't help but to like exactly what we saw, man. It's fun. It's fun. Glenn, excessive or the perfect timing? I, I thought it was great. My first reaction, somebody else asked me about it, was, was oh, they use this in game one. They use this against SEMO, right? Like, why didn't they save it? And then I thought more about it when somebody asked me, and I said, that may have been strategic yep. because now every single time they hand the ball off to Trayshawn Ward on that jet sweep, the defense can't cheat over that way. They're saying he might throw the football. And even if he never does it again the rest of the season, every defense knows that he did it in week one. They're going to see it on tape. And they're going to be – if Will Howard is just a decoy now and he can jog his way over that other sideline, the defense can't cheat that much. Yeah. So I thought it was fun. If nothing else, it was fun. Um, and at first I was kind of surprised they pulled it out in week one. And then I realized that that may have been on purpose to keep those defenses honest. Uh, and and now I'm just waiting for DJ Gibbons to throw his own touchdown pass too. we got to, we got to balance it out here in the running back room. You mean throw to someone else, not throw it to himself like kids in the backyard? If DJ Giddens throws a touchdown pass to Avery Johnson, Bill Snyder Family Stadium might explode. It'll, yeah, I was yeah. going to say it'll just blow up. It'll just blow up. <laughs> uh, Tim, I like what Glenn's point is. I agree. They just put on film not only that play, but the fact that Will Howard is an available receiver if Avery Johnson's the Wildcat. And I think that's maybe what they set up is bring Avery in split him out and you got to worry about him. You got to cover him. Yeah. I mean, it is, you know, it, what better way when you're up 35 points, you got really nothing to lose. Why not? Why not throw in some little wrinkles stuff for Troy to worry about stuff for Missouri to worry about, et cetera. Um, I don't know what, 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 what really stood out to me is that it just seems like it's part of the offense. Like whenever you ask players yeah. about it, yeah. After the fact, they were like, well, they were over-pursuing. 
and Colin had seen that, and so that's why that's why we called it because we knew that 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 it would work, and it just seems like it's not. I mean, it's a trick play, but it's not really out of the ordinary for them. That's a play that they practice just as any other, and that that to me is cool. It was really fun. It was it was refreshing, and I think the kids enjoyed it. The players enjoyed it. The crowd enjoyed it. Uh, you know, I think it was just kind of a. Uh, a nice salute to how well the cats were playing. Some other quick topics here. Of course, Colorado goes to TCU and wins. Impressive. Um, TCU, uh, we knew they'd have some adjustment, but boy, that that stunk. Uh, but Brian Hanley did Coach Prime and his weapons. And oh my gosh, Travis Hunter, his son at quarterback. Dylan Edwards, the Wichita native with four touchdowns. Yeah. So glad for Dylan. Uh, he he found the right place for him. I know he was committed to K-State, and K-State wanted him. Then he went to Notre Dame. He's at the right place. That worked well. Your thoughts on not only Colorado winning, but TCU losing their first game of the new season after playing for a national championship. Well, I'll start in reverse. First off, it's TCU's not the same team. No. Everybody kept saying, well, they're the, the, the runner-up, the national championship game last year. And I'm like, do you know how many guys are playing in the NFL that were on that roster last year? It is not the same football team. I go, so that's number one. Number two, everybody, Colorado is good. They have good players. Now, their defense is not great. No. Uh, their defense, I mean, it was like Swiss cheese out there. And by the middle of the third, first of all, it was horrible coaching by TCU. They should have just run the football and not put the ball in the air another time because they were worn down. You could have run down the clock and not given the ball back to Colorado. We were literally screaming at the TV. We were like, why won't you run the football? And they just wouldn't do it. And I just thought, okay, well, you're trying to give the, the ball back to them. And you can't stop them. That was the thing. You, they couldn't. But Colorado's got some good players. First of all, their offensive line, I know everybody said they weren't any good. Would they give up two sacks? I mean, and they threw the ball almost 50 times. Two sacks. And they threw it all over the yard. And, and it wasn't just dinking and dunking. People said, you can't dink and dunk for 500 yards. I mean, you just can't do that. It's impossible to do that. They were throwing the ball down the field. Colorado is, I think they're better than what people think they still got challenges on defense so they're going to be in a lot of shootouts but their offensive line can hang in there and they stay healthy they're going to compete because i i've said it all along i think colorado's got a strong 22 you start getting into the 44 that's where the problems start like because the depth just isn't there but i thought they did a great job um, i'm a Dion fan i'm a yeah. i know a lot of people don't like you know, his over, you know, braggadocious behavior. It doesn't bother me. I, I, it just, I like that he cares about kids and he says it. Uh, and he's just trying to give people opportunity. I, I like Deion Sanders. I like what they were doing, man. I think it, I think it was great for Colorado. I, I would totally agree. Tim Everson, just a matter of film getting out on Colorado and everyone will kind of catch up on them. I mean, let's be fair to TCU. They had nothing to prepare on. I don't, I don't know if it's Jackson State uh, offered much video here but is there uh concern that colorado will just kind of worn down once people understand what they're doing yeah i mean i don't know if you you, you look at that i don't know i don't know if they were looking at derby high school film for dylan edwards <laughs> they, they were looking at kent kent state film for their offensive coordinator sean lewis who is not going to be there for very long he's going to get himself a, a big boy job uh but i i mean 
you got to be able to adjust, though, right? I mean, that's the thing that just – that was bad. TC, I mean, look, great for Colorado, and they have some dudes 100%, but TCU is – you can't you can't do that. You cannot nope. do that. Nope. <laughs> Glenn, Coach Prime went to the postgame press conference and called out his doubters. Uh, refreshing, annoying, what are your thoughts? Um, maybe yes. <laughs> no, I think uh, I, I think from a media perspective, I, I think he wasn't calling out the media. Maybe he was. I don't know. Uh, I think he was more so calling out, you know, the people on Twitter and stuff. He was just was speaking to the media when he was doing it. If he was calling out the media, that maybe that's to me a little bit weird because I I've always thought the people that are interviewing after the game don't have to be your biggest fan. They're they're there to report. That's besides the point. Um, but no, I I the, I was joking with one of my coworkers and I said. The biggest thing I'm taking away from this is that Brett Yormark has to be seeing dollar signs, right? Yeah. As Dion is, is all over every social media app, and he's joining the Big 12 next year, Brett Yormark is going, yeah, that next media deal just went way up. And that's my first thought. And my second thought is I would love to start placing bets on how Nebraska is going to lose to them because it won't be your average way. It's going to have to be incredibly comedic. Yeah, yeah, it's come up with the worst way for the Huskers to lose, and they will manage to do it after losing to Minnesota in their opener, after mildly being in control of an incredibly boring game that blew up on them at the end. Okay, one final topic before we shutter this thing for the week. The Pac-12, well, first of all, let's say this. The new schools in the Big 12, undefeated. They all took care of business. The Pac-12, not only just the new schools coming in next year into the Big 12, the entire conference went undefeated, which is kind of a change of brand. Maybe they needed to break up to understand that you got to be good in college football. <laughs> I'm not sure. But the Big 12 did have four losses. We talked about TCU. Nobody blames West Virginia for losing in Happy Valley against Penn State. We get that. Baylor loses at home to Texas State, right? Um, and Tech opened out Wyoming – I had them picked for the Big 12 title game, and now they've lost to Wyoming. Uh, look, this is what I love about college football. Brian, you got to play the games, man. And they I don't think one thread of Tech thought they were going to lose at Wyoming. They got into a battle, and they lost in overtime. Yep, and that's the thing. And I know we've talked about this before, Fitz. Look, if you want the respect that everybody is, is supposedly giving Tech, K-State, whoever – you want the respect around the, the – that's a game you have to go and win and win convincingly. Convincingly, Tech should have won that football game. And I know you got to go play the games and, and all of that, but if Tech is who everybody kept saying they were, you win that game on the road by 14 points. But instead, you lose. And now everybody's going to be questioning you and questioning the conference. And I, I just – it's disheartening to me because I think Tech is a better football game. I just think they rolled over and thought they were just going to roll in there and beat them up. And lo and behold, Wyoming said, no, you're not, and hit them in the mouth, and they absolutely had no answer to adversity at all. Just had no answer to it. The game got tight. You could see the Tech players tense up just watching the game. You you saw it on TV. It was incredible. I just – it's sad, but they can bounce back, but – I don't know. That, that To me, that's a game you have to win, man. Glenn, Baylor. Ba Baylor at home to Texas State. Look, there's a lot of really good football programs in the state of Texas. Houston barely beat UTSA. Uh, I personally, uh, this is a total side note, 
I personally think someone needs to try to reform the Southwest Conference with all these Texas schools, Louisiana schools, maybe <laughs> Tulsa. Um, you know, get out there and, and put all these schools together. I think the small conferences need to go regional and, and do that. But Baylor, you can't lose at home that way. Is that program in trouble after falling on its face uh, to a degree last season? Well, the the thing that I look at with Baylor is that, correct me if I'm wrong, they got Utah this week. And, yeah. and they're going to be an underdog in that game. And so you're looking at a team that I think people were expecting to, at, at the worst, be competitive in the Big 12 that might start 0-2 before you even get into conference play. And then they're going to have some challenging games when they do obviously get into conference play. So – I don't, I don't know if I, I would go as far as saying the program is in trouble. I'm not saying it's not. I just don't know yet. But it's going to be an uphill battle uh, if they don't win this weekend. They are at home this weekend against Utah. And and if they win that game, then then you, you've forgotten about the loss the week before because you get the big win. But um, it – it's not. It's not what you wanted. I think you're okay. You blow. You blow out Texas State, and then you lose. Maybe you lose to Utah, and you're like, okay, well, that's that's all right. But uh, you start zero and two, and then and then you got to play some of the best teams in the Big Twelve. Uh, yep. Not not great. Not great at all. Um, look, Utah was the surprise for me of the first weekend. What they did to Florida. They hadn't won a non-conference Power Five game in a long time. Uh, I think six years, five years. Uh, that was a great note. Um, maybe stole was stolen as a spotlight by what Florida State did to LSU last year or last night. Um, so it's um, SEC's off to a struggle, but that's what happens this time of year. But the third loss we're talking about here is West Virginia going to Penn State and losing. Tim, they have pit this weekend as I really admire West Virginia for playing 11 Power 5 games almost every season. I think it's really cool. Uh, but if you're Neil Brown, uh, you're kind of pissed off that you got to play 11 Power 5 games, including Penn State and Pitt, which are rivalry games in the non-conference. I'm just going to say this. this. The outcome of that game wasn't surprising, uh, but Neil Brown needed it. Neil Brown's on the ropes. Does he survive the season, or is this it for him in, in uh, Morgantown? From what I understand, and I, I, I don't know exactly off the top of my head, I feel like he's locked into a pretty decent buyout situation there. And then also the university itself is not, is, is in rough financial shape. So he, it it may, based on the, the the national people that I have listened to talk about, like coaching hot seats and stuff. A lot of people think that he will be gone this year, but he's not going to be one of the first people. I think his buyout maybe drops later in the year. I don't, I, I don't know, but I, you know, Pitt's not great, you know, Pitt's not great, but it's not, I get that. It's not great. It's no, it's, it's not, not great. great at all. <laughs> hey, Tim, if he didn't get fired, that would be the biggest piece of coaching news related to West Virginia in quite some time. <laughs> Nothing else comes to mind. No, <laughs> no, I might drop around. Any more drama. They've already had enough. Yeah, West, West, poor West Virginia. I didn't mean to end this podcast on bagging on West Virginia, but there we are. That's how we're going to do it. We appreciate you tuning in for the first ever live YouTube version of The Insiders. These guys have no buyout, but they're not getting fired. 
they might not be here some weeks and we'll have a sub in, but this is your cast for uh, through football season. We'll negotiate those rich contracts they have for after that if we want to continue this. We appreciate you listening so much, whether it was on the YouTube platform at GoPowerCat or on the podcast uh, platform of your choice. Make sure you're subscribing to GoPowerCat. Make sure you're subscribing to this YouTube channel. Please subscribe to the YouTube channel as we continue to grow. And I appreciate it so much. And make sure... You're at the Bill on Saturday for a game against Troy, and someone asked if we're going to discuss that. Nope. Brian Hanley and I will discuss that later this week on the Powercat pregame podcast, which is also available now on YouTube. I'm Fitz, and we appreciate you watching.